Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Mike Petrop, here with my brother, Jason. You. Tim is still dealing with his uh, sickness, as you all know by now, because he went into gross detail about it on the review. Way too much. Yeah, on the review and Patreon episode, it was just too, too grody. But feel better, Tim. He had a doctor appointment today, so he'll be back next week for show. But we will be... uh, Taking the reins this week, me and Jay, uh, we'll start by shouting out Thrive Fantasy, Thrive Fantasy app, thrivefantasy.com, Brodo, code Brodo, $10 deposit or more, you get a free $10, you've heard the spiel a bunch of times, so I'm just going to leave it at that, and Red Cup news for your college football needs, anything else, Jay? Brodo patron. That's right, uh, patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy if you want to support the show, Coming up on the playoffs, man, the waiver wire episodes are going to be more important than ever. Just saying, there's a lot more to waivers than waiver rankings. With that being said, why don't we start the show? Let's do it. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. So as you guys know, uh, you probably know, I went up to, I don't know, actually, I don't know if they know because I don't know if we said it or not. I went up to Ithaca again last week to see Jason. I basically... uh, live in Ithaca with Jason with how often I've been going there because, you know, I'm such a great brother. And he introduced me to a show called New Girl. And I have to tell <laughs> like you. it's super rare. A lot of people haven't watched New Girl. I mean, I never really considered watching New Girl. It's a Fox show with Zoe Deschanel and actors that you'll see, you'll recognize them, but you won't know their names. Yeah. And it is absolutely hilarious. Dude, so funny. Yes, it is a very funny show. So if you have not watched that, this this dude Schmidt is like this player, and it's it's just a hilarious show. If you haven't, if you want a show to watch, twenty minute episodes on Netflix, you know you gotta love how cable TV shows are only like twenty two minutes long, so you don't have to spend a lot of time watching it. It's great stuff. Also, with The Office and Friends leaving Netflix uh, at the end of the year. I'm gonna just run New Girl right back, <laughs> dude. I gotta, yeah. I have to rewatch The Office again. The Office not being able to just be played on demand is gonna be one of the sadder moments in Netflix history. Hundred percent. That I, I'm telling you, they probably. I I really want to know how much money it took to get The Office on there, but geez, Louise, probably like maybe even like a hundred million dollars. I don't know how how much you pay for TV shows and things like that, but I would not be surprised. But yeah, uh, we're not a television network podcast. We are a fantasy football podcast. So, Jay, what do you say? Let's start with our first game, the Thursday night football game. sure. Colts at Texans. A Thursday night slobbernaka or a Thursday night defensive matchup. It has been mainly defensive matchups on Thursday nights. This year, I feel like in particular, this year has been pretty damn ugly for Thursday night games. Uh, it's, it's always you're just recency bias up the gazoo right now. I don't know. I don't know. But it's just it's been pretty ugly for Thursday night games. And there are some interesting players in this game. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the Texans and their QB who disappointed drastically last week against uh, Baltimore. Deshaun Watson. He put up five fantasy points against Baltimore. Only passed for 169 yards. No touchdowns. An interception. A lost fumble. Blah. Do you expect a bounce back game? Um, 
tomorrow night against Indy, even though it's a Thursday night game. I do. When you're as good as Deshaun Watson, I honestly, I think the Thursday game might be a bonus. Like he is so fed up with the way he played on Sunday. He's excited that he only had to wait, that he only had to practice three days in between. And now he's able to go out there and show what he can do immediately after being awful. And the indie defense is not a super imposing one. They're about middle in the league against uh, the pass. And their offense will be good enough to put up points where it's going to be a close game. So I think that Watson's going to bounce back with a vengeance. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's It seems like every time Deshaun Watson has a down game, he bounces back the next week. This year, when he put up 13 against Jacksonville, he followed that up with 26 against the Chargers. And when he put up 12 against Carolina, followed that up against Atlanta with 42. And then 18 against Indy, followed that up with 28. So every time he scored under 20 fantasy points, he's put up at least 28 fantasy points. So I'm not backing away. I have him as my QB3 this week um, going into tomorrow night. So I'm just going to roll him out there again. How do you feel about the pass catchers? Uh, Deshaun, excuse me, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. You got to just throw him out there. Uh, Indy doesn't have a lockdown cornerback. They are more of a zone defense, so they're going to try to limit the big plays as they usually are pretty successful doing, especially this season. But DeAndre Hopkins could just get behind the defense at any point, especially in zone defense. All he has to do is like beat one guy or beat beat one deep zone, and then he'll have he'll be free. It's it's an interesting matchup here against Indy. He went for 100 yards and a touchdown last time he played them. I, I love him this week, too. Uh, I'm guessing he's going to be in your top three receivers as well. How, how do you feel about Will Fuller if he plays? Because he's the more interesting name. Yeah, I just, I mean, I don't know if Will Fuller's going to play. He's limited. It's already Wednesday. They play tomorrow. They're calling him a game time call. It's a guy with a history of injuries. Uh, he has a hamstring injury. I think that, and as you said, the Colts are a zone defense. They try to um, let you play underneath. I think this might be a good week to just let Will Fuller sit on your bench. Uh, unless you're dealing with uh, a Will Fuller or like Auden Tate type situation, of course, throw Will Fuller out there. But if you have decent options besides him, I think it might be a good week to just D.D. Westbrook him be- or Will Fuller. I'd, I'd go D.D. D.D. Interesting. Hunter Renfro or Will Fuller. Will Fuller. That one's a little cl- Randall Cobb or Will Fuller. I'm just probably Fuller. I, I, I like going for the upside play. Well, I went to like uh, the people I have ranked in my late 30s. So, yeah, Will Fuller, man, he's very boomer bust. It's going to be a tough call playing him tomorrow. But he obviously has the upside appeal that he has every week when he's uh, healthy. I'm not trusting Kenny Stills by any means. He's been pretty atrocious. He's not been what anyone really expected to be in Will Fuller's stead. So I'm not starting Kenny Stills. How do you feel about the... The tight ends here, um, disappointed a bit last week, Fells did. Uh, like, we know that he has the low floor, but he also has that touchdown potential. He went 1-for-18 against Baltimore. Last time he played against Indy, he only went 2-for-27. I have his my tight end 22, and Jordan Aikens is basically out of the out of the realm of fantasy football world, too. So how, how are you t- attacking the tight ends? Yeah, Darren Fells is... He's a he's 18th in true target value. He's a touchdown-dependent guy. He's been finding the end zone, which is great, but he doesn't really see more than three targets a game. And the tight end landscape is a rough one, so that's kept him alive. 
but there are probably better options this week. I will have him ranked a little bit higher than you, though. I'm not going to give up just yet. I think that he's touch on the pendant, but he still has a chance to catch a touchdown, and that means a lot in You know, I might NFL. move him up a bit, too, because I do expect Deshaun Watson to bounce back tomorrow night's game. The running backs are more interesting because I know they got basically destroyed by um, Baltimore last week, but... Duke Johnson played most of the snaps and even then only had two targets, two receptions, and four yards. So are you interested in Duke Johnson at all against Indy? I mean, if they're going to be playing underneath against Indy, then it's something to be said. Uh, But even in a game where they were blown out, he was barely used, and that's where you would think he's going to be used, only two catches. The most catches he has in a game this year is five, which is a nice number, but he's only reached it once. Uh, most of the time, he's ending the game with one or two catches. So Duke Johnson's better off on your bench than anywhere else. Yeah. How about Carlos Hyde? I think he's more of a low end RB two flex play as well. I don't. I don't really see huge upside for either of them this week. That's what he is. I mean, he had a forty yard touchdown run last week and ended with sixty five yards and a touchdown. Yeah, that was uh, super. That like that's the definition of getting bailed out. It was a anyone blowout. who started Carlos Hyde was probably so hyped. Yeah, it was a blowout. He just ran through a wide open hole. It didn't matter, and it really saved his day. So. That doesn't. There's a difference between watching the game and looking at the box score. Uh, that does not make me feel good, even though the numbers were there. I'm gonna keep saying Carlos Hyde is just a flex play and nothing more. Indy, Jacoby Brissett. He uh, came back, played decent last week, but I mean they did not need him to do anything. But that's the that's the worry with Jacoby Brissett too is that once they get that running game going, they rush for over 200 yards against. Um, against Jacksonville, so we only had to attempt 24 passes, completed 15 of them. Still put up 16 points because he threw for the two touchdowns. He actually ran for one, actually. He ran for one and threw for one. How do you feel about Jacoby Brissett against Houston, which is a great matchup, but that running game, one if it's an effect, if it's effective again next week, then it really limits his ceiling. Jacoby Brissett belongs nowhere in a one-quarterback league starting lineup. I've been telling you guys this all year. You guys keep having him ranked higher than me. He hasn't been good since, eh, actually, the last time he played Houston. Exactly. Last good game. <laughs> but how many weeks is that? One, two, three, four, five. In the last five weeks, he's passed 16 points once. Uh, he's not a guy with a lot of upside. I'm not starting him. Yeah, Evans, my uh, QB 17. This is this is the uh, real interesting part here, you know, because people want to know what's going on with the running backs. Jonathan Williams came out of nowhere last week and, Really had a great game. But now Jordan Wilkins, they didn't practice today. They, it was uh, just a walkthrough because they're playing tomorrow. But they estimated a full practice. So I'm on the bandwagon of Jordan Wilkins is going to get the work. I saw a Colts insider say he saying that he expects Jordan Wilkins to get like 50 to 60%, Jonathan Williams 20 to 30, and then Naheem Hines the rest. So I don't see how you could possibly start Jonathan Williams. I said it on the... Um, Patreon pod that if Jordan Wilkins practiced, then Jonathan Williams is pointless. You obviously cannot play him. But Jordan Wilkins, it's obviously risky, but I think you could have some flex appeal uh, tomorrow night in tomorrow night's game. I mean, flex appeal is the correct term. I think that it's not too juicy of a matchup. Williams will probably sprinkle in. Naheem Hines deserves to be talked about a little bit more. He's had four and three catches the last two games. 11 targets over that span, and even a couple of rushes. So I think we'll see Hines, Williams, and Wilkins involved. I think Wilkins will be the 1A. Uh, it's going to be end up being a 50-yard day without 
any touchdowns if he's not able to find one. So he is a bit touchdown dependent. Yeah, I have Wilkins and Hines back to back. On to the uh the wide receiver. T. Y. Hilton was also a estimated full practice today. So ah, the return Yingo. of to Jiminy Ya Cricket. Come on, get it right. The return of to Jiminy Cricket Hilton this week. Look, you have to be excited if you're a T.Y. Hilton owner because the wide receiver landscape gets pretty ugly after the first, like, eight names. Like, this this year, I feel like in... Maybe it's just because it's this year again. There's just so many, like, boom-bust players after the first, like, five wide receivers. And T.Y. Hilton has been pretty solid when healthy, but obviously you're scared that he's not going to be healthy against Houston. I, I ranked him as my wide receiver 20 on the week. Like, that's where I felt comfortable because there's night, there's some guys that I'd rather, even though Hilton has a higher upside, take a shot on. Guys like Calvin Ridley, uh, Cortland Sutton, Jameson Crowder, guys like that. But how scared of, would you be to put Hilton into your lineup if they declare him active for tomorrow's game? Uh, bouncing off of what you said earlier, not at all. If you look at what the wide receivers look like right now... Uh... I mean, no offense to Jarvis Landry, but when he's the 18th wide receiver, you know something's off. Uh, and so I'm throwing T.Y. Hilton out there if you have him. You've been waiting for this. It's not a terrible matchup. The Houston defense isn't super daunting on the outside. They've actually been uh, in the worst half of the league against wide receivers. So I'm throwing him out there. If he's if they say he's healthy to play after holding him out for since week eight, then I'm going to believe him, and I'm going to fire him up with confidence. And Zach Pascal lined up against Lonnie Johnson as the primary defender on the left side of the offense. That's one of the best matchups you could have, according to PFF, this year. So do you think the Hilton return, it probably means less targets, but do you think it opens things up a little more? Because he did have that six-catch, 100-yard, two-touchdown game against, guess who, Houston in Week 7. So I, I think Zach Pascal is more of a flex play. I don't see that huge ceiling. That I don't He's not going to go 6-102 again against Houston. But he's really disappointed the last two weeks. How are you feeling about Pascal? Uh, Not too good. He's a flex play at best. It's an interesting thought. But like even the last couple of weeks, seven targets, six targets, he's been very much involved. It's just that he hasn't been connecting with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, with T.Y. Holton back. It's not necessarily a good thing. More targets going to go to Hilton. Pascal's going to go back to his role. He's been best in his career with Hilton out, so I'm not going to touch him. Yeah, to the tight ends, Eric Ebron came back down to earth last week. Four receptions, 27 yards on four targets. Way less than the 12 targets he had the prior week. That was clearly an outlier, and now T.Y. Hilton's back. So Eric Ebron, it's he's a tough sell, and Jack Doyle, who didn't even see a single target last week against Jacksonville. Would you have any... We'd be excited at all about starting either of these guys because I know I'm not. Man, no targets after what twelve? Well, Doyle Protect had no Doyle? targets. No, Ebron had the oh, twelve right, targets. Right, right. So getting Ebron the tight ends confused. I'm getting them confused. I mean, that would have been funny from twelve to zero. Yeah. If you're gonna start one, it's Ebron. At least the least you could say is he's been efficient. He went four for four last week, even though it was only for twenty-seven yards. Yeah. Uh, Jack Doyle's becoming an afterthought in that offense. Touchdowns are buoying him the last few weeks. Man, it's an ugly landscape out there. Ebron, you're probably going to start if you need to. Jack Doyle, I I wouldn't. Yeah, I agree. On to the Lions and Redskins, the second game. Jeff Driscoll has been 
a fantasy darling the last couple of weeks. I loved him as a streamer last runs week. Runs McGee. Yeah, Runs McGee. Jeff Runs McGee Driscoll. I loved him as a streamer last week, and he went in 27 points against Dallas. And then the week before, he put up 18 against Chicago. He gets Washington this week. I have him as my seventh-ranked quarterback this week because I hate most of the Wah. matchups, and I am, I'm a ballsy guy. When it comes down to we week 12, when you need Wah. a win, when you're that seventh, eighth-place team, who owns Jimmy Garoppolo going into going against Green Bay or Derek Carr with the limited ceiling? I'm saying go get Jeff Driscoll and start Jeff Driscoll. You know what? I like it, kid. I fucking like it. Uh, like it's, it's ballsy. I'm not gonna lie to start him over Winston. I know Atlanta's been decent the last two weeks on defense, but Jameis has been putting up points, whether good or bad. So I don't know about that. But uh, look, Driscoll did this last they year call me too. Danger. He had some. He had some relevance at the end of the year, so he did. I'm, I'm, I'm digging your, uh, your crazy choice here. And the line, the Lions are a good offensive team, man. I mean, not the running game, but the receivers. I mean, talking about the running game, Bo Scarborough came out of nowhere off the practice squad to put up 55 yards and a touchdown on 14 rushes against Dallas. Now he gets Washington, an even better matchup for uh, Scarborough. This is a guy who is expected to lead. That team in touches again. I have him as my 28th running back. As you know, as I always say, the Wednesday rankings are going to be changed a bit as I dive deeper and deeper. These are the initial rankings. But I feel very comfortable putting in my flex and even RB2 if I'm really hurting at the running back position. Against Washington, I feel like he'll have some opportunities, especially after what he did after coming off the practice squad on Saturday. Like that, that kind of blew my mind how impactful he was after coming off the practice squad one day later is it bad that when i think about bo scarborough i think of a old-time western movie and a guy in a cowboy hat and boots comes up with a gun and he goes where'd you get that scar bro it's because you're thinking about the longest yard the scarborough was the quarterback no it's scar bro like where'd you get that scar bro oh, yeah scar bro and he's like i spoke on the patreon pod or was it the review pod i don't even know how i said it's a pet peeve of mine that people say Scarborough when it's Scarborough. Ah, oh, relax. You've heard his name for a week now. He was drafted by Dallas. He had some buzz early in his career. Uh, McKissick really shit the bed last week. I mean, he got you seven and a half PPR, but only six touches. And basically just completely taken over by Bo Scarborough rushing. So he's just yeah, a, he's not he's someone a desperation that's gonna, flex. Yeah, he's not someone that's going to be too involved no matter what happens around him. Dude, guess where Marvin Jones is overall in the wide receivers this year? Oh, he's like 12th or something. 12th. He has really shot up. He has been ridiculously consistent lately after a slow start to the season. 8 7, 19, 9, 3 is how he started. And then 38 4, 23, 10, 18. He's been super consistent finding the end zone. And even with Jeff Driscoll, he went 5 for 77 against Chicago and then 4 for 43 and two touchdowns against Dallas. Now he gets Washington. Again, I'm all aboard the Marvin Jones train. Uh, Expert consensus has him at 30. I have him at 24. So I like him as a wide receiver too this week against Washington. And Kenny Galladay against Washington. I'm also higher than consensus. He only went one for 34 against Dallas last week. That's Byron Jones. You like him this week against Washington, no? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Marvin Jones is 16th in true target value. So he's doing a tad more than you'd expect. But still, 16 is... Is great, so uh, definitely not a anomaly. What's happening? And then Galladay's eighth, so 
he should pick it back up after the downer last week. Washington is a great option to do that against. Yeah, Jeff Driscoll has been playing uh, valiantly. And then the tight end, we're not starting TJ Hawkinson. Deal? There you go. That's how I feel about TJ Hawkinson, as we felt basically every single week of this year. So after um, their opponent is the Washington Redskins, Washington is an ugly team. We all know that. You're not starting Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins has been doo-doo paper. But doo-doo paper. they do have some interesting paper. some interesting young names. How do you feel about Terry McLaurin? Because he did have that like 70-yard bomb against the Jets, which was actually one of Haskins' better plays, called back, which would have put him at over 130 yards, even though he only yeah, would have had four receptions. McLaurin, in his rookie season, is looking like he's getting that uh, Corlin Sutton. It doesn't matter throwing to me because I'm going to make plays treatment right now uh he's been moving around the formation a little bit more lately i think he ran 20 percent of his routes from the slot recently look it's not a terrible matchup against detroit they're probably going to put up some points and if you have mclaurin and he's your wide receiver three throw him out there confidently although confidently is not the best term to say because dwayne haskins does suck yeah haskins has he hasn't put up Double digits with Haskins yet. He's six, six, and eight the last three weeks in half PPR. I think this could be his first week in double digits. We just, I'd like to see more targets from McLaurin. Like you went to college and dominated with this dude too. Like throw him the damn ball. You're not starting any other wide receivers. How do you feel about the running backs, uh, Darius Geis and company? Uh, Darius Geis. Um, he's been injured for a little bit. Me and Michael are watching the games together because he came to visit last Sunday, as he said earlier, and we looked at each other and said, this man is tiny. Yeah, I was, like, I remember, I, like, I've watched Darius Geis in my life. We haven't seen him in almost two years, kind of. He hardly played week one. And we're like, yeah, this dude just looks small. It's like, that's Darius Geis? He's a tiny person. <laughs> I mean, but it makes it all the more impressive that he's a powerful person. Uh, Look, obviously... People are hyped up, 45 yards and a touchdown. But he had seven rushes, first game back in a long time, played 31% of the team's snaps, which is more than Adrian Peterson. So it, we're trending up here on guys. No more than a desperation flex this week, in my opinion. Uh, still need to see a little bit more out of him, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is that week where the reins shift over to guys. Yeah, I like uh, guys more than I do AP, and... I. There's Chris Thompson for some reason is still like kind of highly owned or like 20% owned. I don't know what those guys are doing at this point. And Wendell Smallwood, obviously, you're not trusting the tight ends. Jeremy Sprinkle and company pass up on those guys, too. So we're going to move on to the Giants and Bears. Mitch Trubisky, apparently he wasn't benched. All right. Apparently it was a hip injury that was really tightening up and it was hard for him to move. And then Chase Daniel came in either way. You're not starting Mitch Trubisky. He's expected to start again this week. I mean, Allen Robinson, we're doing the... It's the same thing with Allen Robinson again this week, Jay. I want to start my rankings. I placed him at 25 this week just because of the matchup against the Giants, which is a little high for me, but this dude was 16th in expert consensus rankings, and it just blows my mind. I mean, he's had 16. six... 16. Yeah. I know you can't see me through the microphone, but I just put my hand 15, on my head. Sorry, 15. He's well, at 9-1, 9-1, 12-4 the last four weeks. It's 
I just don't remember when he was supposed to eat against Philly. He went one for six against them last week against. Hold LA. on, I'll be damned. I never said he was gonna eat against Philly. I was the only one damned in the whole world. Yeah, I was. <laughs> that was the only time I bought into a Rob, and boy, did it spring me the wrong way. But yeah, I'm sure we're in consensus about Allen Robinson. Uh, someone I'm a little more interested in. Because we need to. We need to give him a better nickname. Allen, a Rob. <laughs> No, something that he's bad. A flob. Right. I don't even know. I'll think of something. Taylor Gabriel is someone I'm a little interested in. I haven't met wide receiver 42 flex territory. The last four weeks he's put up in half PPR 7, 8, 12, and 9. So not going to kill you, not going to do great. But this dude saw 14 targets last week against LA. Now he gets the Giants. Has one of the best matchups uh, opposing cornerbacks of any wide receiver this week. How are you feeling about Taylor Gabriel this week? Do you agree that he has some flex appeal or you think I'm bugging out? Uh, very little flex appeal. I do agree. He's been... um, We've seen this in the past. I remember last season I called a Taylor Gabriel game and he scored two touchdowns. Um, So it's not, it's not nothing new. It's just he's doing it a little bit more consistently. He still has a super low floor. So that's why he's a flex play and not really much more. So you could throw him out there. Um, the Giants are not a very good opponent, meaning good things for Taylor Gabriel. So if if there's a week to start him, it's this one. Yeah. Uh, in the backfield, David Montgomery and Terry Cohen is starting to show some life. He uh, The last couple of weeks, he's actually been decent. He's becoming uh, flex-worthy again and even RB2 in, um, in PPR leagues. How do you feel about Terry Cohen uh, this week? Because he does get a good matchup here against the Giants, and he's coming off of back-to-back games with double digits, albeit he scored a touchdown in each game, which is always what has booned his uh, his uh, his fantasy appeal. He's never really been a big yardage guy, so how do you feel about Terry Cohen? Even without the touchdowns, he would just put up um, 6 and 10. So I know it's a, not the best number, but I mean... He, he's he been below six points one time since week four. So at this point, he has a role. He's not going to kill you. You obviously want to see more than six points, but if he finds the end zone, it's going to be a decent role. So he's a flex play if you're looking for someone to give you six to 12 points. If you have a pretty solid squad or some boom-bust guys, you need someone that's a little bit safer. Uh, Terry Cohen's on a terrible option. I think we told someone who was... Uh, I don't remember the comparison, but someone asked us Terry Cohen or someone else. Monday night or Sunday night. Oh, or Sammy Watkins, yeah, for example. And we told him to go with Terry Cohen. Which is probably and not that worked a out. popular decision. No, I don't think so at all. And that ended up working out. So I think, but with people like that, if you're comparing him, he's a good play. We're going to work but it out. I'm not starting him over guys like Devin Singletary or something. We're going to work it out. David Montgomery, after those back to back. Beatles. Huh? The Beatles. Oh, the Beatles. I'm, I'm John Lennon, the lead singer of the Beatles. Dude, <laughs> David Montgomery, though, after those two huge games and people were like, yeah, and the rest of season run fantasy-wise is just so glorious. And then two just huge duds in a row. 17 for 60 against Detroit with no receptions. 14 for 31, only one reception and 19 yards against the Rams. The Giants' rush defense has actually been improving as the year's been going on. I have him as a mid to low end RB two this week. Any any chance for a huge David Montgomery game? You think against the Giants? Because 
he's getting the work. It just it's it's been pretty rough because they're able to just I mean they're able to just stack the box the box with the way Mitch Trubisky's going. Yeah, uh, efficiency has not been David Montgomery's forte. If you take away his, even his 135 yard game, he had 27 rushes. Um, so he's looking very Joe Mixon-y at the moment. He's a rookie, so it's not get carried away, but. 17 for 60, 14 for 31, 14 for 40. Not much work in the passing game. Uh, so, I mean, volume helps until you're not doing anything with it, and the offense is looking awful. Tariq Cohen's getting a little bit more involved. This is what you hope for, uh, because the Bears are, I believe, a touchdown favorite against the Giants. That's a game where you would figure Montgomery's traditionally going to be good. I kind of like the Giants in that one. Against the spread, if they're a seven-point favorite, it's not the worst option. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a it's a good week to start Montgomery. I don't know if you're gonna see a blow up though. So we're moving on to the next game, which is the Bucks and Falcons. Famous, yummy. Jameis. All famous Jameis does is throw interceptions. That's he eats it. W's. He eats W's and throws interceptions. So any chance you start. Jameis Winston this week against Atlanta. Well, not any chance. You're probably starting Jameis Winston against Atlanta. Of course. But how do you feel with this new resurgence? Because, dude, two weeks ago, Dan Quinn gave up play-calling duties. And since then, the Atlanta defense has been the best in the league. Which, if you're Dan Quinn, you have to be like, damn, I kind of suck. But Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. But you can't just overlook the dominant performance. One against New Orleans and one last week. Who did who did they play last week? Why am I blanking? Even if you can't against Detroit, no, not Detroit. The the Panthers. Panthers, yes, against the Panthers, which this is not the best offense ever, but they've been decent. So how how do you feel about Jameis Winston this week against Atlanta? Jameis Winston has not thrown for less than forty three passes since week five. I don't care who's thrown forty three passes in a Bruce Arians offense. But you're taking the guy throwing 43 passes in a Bruce Arians offense, especially yeah. considering in the last four weeks, he's been running a little bit more. Uh, not a lot, but three out of the four games, over 20 yards rushing. That's an extra two points for you right there. He's He has a safe floor at this point. He hasn't been below 17 since week two. Yeah. I'm throwing him out there. Not just because Dan Quinn gave up his job doesn't mean I'm not going to start Winston. Yeah, I just feel his ceiling has been lower of late. Like he hasn't he's been between 17 and 21 for 6 straight weeks now. 19 touchdowns and 18 interceptions. It's like the most Jameis Winston thing ever. It's pretty nuts. Uh but the wide receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, man, they were expected to have this huge game last week and both of them that well Chris Godwin ended up finding the end zone, but Mike Evans disappointed, but he has those types of games even without Marshawn Lattimore there. He went four for 69. I'm still starting Mike Evans against Atlanta happily because they do not have a single cornerback who could uh, match up with him. And then Godwin, three for 47 and a touchdown. He's really cooled down after his ridiculously hot start the last four weeks, eight, 10, 10, and 12. The expert consensus ranking has him as wide receiver five. I'm not that high on him. Uh, I have him as wide receiver nine. So, I mean, I still have him. Because it's a great matchup against Atlanta, I'm not entirely buying into the last two weeks, but how do you feel about these two guys? Any Anything to add? Chris Godwin, pre-bye week, week seven, so six games. Four games over 120 yards. Post-bye week, the last four games, 
zero games over 100 yards, zero over 75 yards. Um, it's been a little bit rougher recently. It was good to see him get in the end zone last week. His targets are still there, though. Eight, nine, 12, and six the last four weeks. He found the end zone in the week where uh, he saw the least targets. So I don't think it's panic time. Um, it's just something that happens when you have a bad quarterback. He's still going to find uh, some fantasy points. He's 13th in true target value, which is probably where he's been playing at recently. More of a wide receiver two than a wide receiver one. Yeah, that's um, where I'm at. To the to the tight end because man that was hilarious what happened last week dude, OJ Howard his first target he, he's supposed to catch it like he's bobbling it ends up like throwing it onto his back trying to catch it hits it up off his back and it gets intercepted and from that point on he was no longer a part of the offense and Cameron Brait saw fourteen targets had ten receptions and eighty five yards so, cheese Louise obviously you can't play OJ Howard but this whole Bruce Arians doesn't use his tight end thing was a bit defunct last week with Cameron Brate seeing 14 damn targets running 47 routes. So he ended up just taking over the tight end position. And we've seen Jameis Winston throw to Cameron Brate in the past. Going up against Atlanta, who's been solid against the tight end, but nothing like crazy. I'm at tight end 14, so right on the tight end one streaming range. How do you feel about Cameron Brate? Because I feel like this could be either a zero or... Like another, if he finds the end zone, like 12 points. I'll probably have him in tight end one range as well. Uh, just looking at the tight ends available. They're not very good. And I'd rather start Braid over Vance McDonald. I'd rather start him over Noah Fant. Uh, so I guess by default, he's going to be in my top 12. Top 12. Interesting. To the running backs. Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones. Had another Ronald Where'd Jones. Four rushes for 13 yards, two receptions, one yard. One week after getting 11 carries and hauling in eight receptions. I mean, I know New Orleans led the whole time, and they had to pass, and it was kind of a mess from the start for Ronald Jones, but, geez, was that terrible. A Louise. I mean, Ronald Jones at this point, I don't I don't know how you could play him as anything more than like a low-end RB2 flex play, preferably a flex play, but just know that his... Floor is low. Big news. Ben Simmons just hit his first three ever in his career. No way. That is yep. big news. <laughs> I got to watch that later. Did you just get an alert on your... Yep, I just got an I alert did. on my phone. Yeah. Ben Simmons hits the first three of his NBA career. Dude, the crowd... Are they home? Uh, It says Philly faithful whatnot, so... Oh, man. That must be glorious. Good for him. About But Ronald Jones. Disappointing after... a non-disappointing week when's it ever gonna end with this guy the roller coaster you're better off not using him unless you have to that that's the answer with ronald jones yeah it's, it's I, like i i'm gonna disagree with you in your rankings a little bit but i mean I'm, I'm not a big carlos hyde person i'd still start him over ronald jones i don't know man peyton barber didn't even see a single touch against new orleans agan dominated the snaps because they were down the whole game so i don't know and it's not like I'm not expecting him to be getting destroyed by Atlanta and coming back the whole game either, even though Atlanta has done that back-to-back weeks against New Orleans and Carolina because I don't know where they're a great team. So we'll see how that ends up. But uh, anyone else from the Bucks you want to talk about? Yo, by the way, you said Peyton Barber didn't have any touches. He didn't have any rushes. I, I thought I said rushes. Yeah, he didn't have any he rushes. A he had a couple of receptions. 
Uh, to the Falcons, Matty Ice. I mean, locked and loaded. I have him as a top five QB, right? I mean, against Tampa Bay. Yeah, don't overthink it. They're home too. Yeah, I mean, I it's been rough. Like four against LA was terrible. He was hurt, so he missed the game against Seattle. He had a bye week and then sixteen and sixteen. So maybe the injury is nagging him a little bit, but it's been tough matchups across the board. And now he gets Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay is a joke defensively. So yeah, fire up Matty Ice, which means. Fire up Julio Jones, of course, and I need your opinion on Calvin Ridley this week after Calvin Ridley week finally happened last week. Can it double down and can it happen again? It's everything you've been waiting for and more. Everything I hoped for. It's everything I need. What song is that? I don't remember. I honestly don't know the name. Everything I, I hoped for. Everything I need. They sing it in a... Mike and Dave need wedding dates. I, that just popped up. Oh, that's my a head. funny movie. That is funny talking about movie. funny stuff. Yeah. Talking about a lot of entertainment today, Jay. Uh, Calvin Ridley will be entertaining on Sunday. Ooh. Uh, good to see him get eight targets. A little bit more that he's been seeing recently, but they never dipped too much. He was in this five to seven range pre week eleven. I think he'll see a little bit more against Tampa as well, and I think he'll produce. Um, it's a good matchup. Tampa Bay's uh, secondary isn't really stopping anybody, and Calvin Ridley is successful in matchups where he's set to succeed, believe it or not. He's been good this season against Philadelphia, uh, against Carolina in their recent skid. Their defense was insanely good. A lot of injuries. It's been uh, worsening now. They were good against Houston, who's been bad against pass catchers. He's good against bad defenses, Yeah, uh, which is why I think he's not that good in general. He doesn't show up against good defenses. But anyway, Tampa Bay's a bad defense. It's a good week for Ridley. Yeah, I have him all the way up at wide receiver 14. I'm telling you, once you get past these, like, first 9 to 10 wide receivers, it gets kind of ugly fast. I'm not going to lie. Like, the fact that I have Jameson Crowder ranked 16th, like, I feel good doing it because this dude has had 75 yards and a touchdown in three straight games, but I also don't feel good at all doing it. But moving on uh, from the receivers to the running backs, Devontae Freeman missed practice again today. Let's just assume he's out because that is the most reasonable uh, assumption here. Brian Hill was just absolutely atrocious last week, as you know. He tweeted after the game, I'd apologize. He said something along the lines of, I'd apologize for my fantasy performance, but I just don't care or something. So not only did he have to be a piece of shit on the field, he also had to be a piece of shit on Twitter after the game. Why are you going to be a young scrub and tweet something like that? Right? Like, why you got to be an asshole about it? But yeah, Brian Hill is was in a great spot last week against Carolina. Really sucked. Um, We were a little lower than him than most. Like, he was lower in our rankings compared to expert consensus rankings. We still liked him as more of a RB2 last week. Obviously, that didn't happen. Tampa Bay has been dominant against the run. Quadri Allison had the touchdown last week. Ken John Barner got mixed in. Any love for Brian Hill this week is more anything more than like a flex play. He's a flex play. Tampa Bay is an awful matchup. Uh, something that looked like a good one in the past, just not anymore. So you, you got to expect another similar, because even against New Orleans when he came in, 20 rushes for 61 yards isn't very ideal. 
probably something along those lines again. 18 rushes, 50 yards type of game. He's going to have to find the end zone. So he's a touchdown dependent flex. Yeah. Uh, tight end Luke Stocker went three catches on four targets for 12 yards against the Colts. He's clearly not Austin Hooper. That's loud and clear. Obviously, you're not starting Luke Stocker here, right? No, move on, man. Anyone else you want to talk about on the Falcons? Not Luke Stocker. That's for sure. Not Russell Luke Gage. That's a that's a good. Oh, Russell Gage. Yeah, I mean that is actually half interesting. Any love for Russell Gage? Because uh, he's been half like, interesting. Yeah, he's a, he's a PPR flex. Yeah, uh, against Tampa Bay, I think he'll see enough work to be a little interesting. He did have a touchdown overturned as well. He did. That would have made um, his line more interesting. But he's like yeah. the poor man's most new in that offense. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Broncos and Bills, dude. Cortland Sutton is just ridiculously Who would win in a fight, nice. a Bronco or a Bill? What's a Bill? A to bu- the Buffaloes. So a Buffalo? Word, what am I saying? <laughs> they're, they're, they're mascot, the Buffalo and the Bronco. Who would win? Oof, I feel like a Buffalo. That shit is heavy. You see how muscular that Bronco is, though? I don't know, man. I'm giving the edge to the Buffalo. Probably, like, weighs three times as much as the Bronco. Hold on, I'll I'll Google the Bronco to get a little insight on it, and you could talk about whatever you were going to talk about. Yeah, Cortland Sutton can do it all, ladies and gentlemen. He threw a dime to Tim Patrick, ran twice for 10 yards, on nine targets, pulled in five receptions for 113 yards, has not really taken a step back with uh, Brandon Allen under center at all. He's over 56 yards in every single game. Since week two. Week two is his only game under 56 yards, in fact, because he put up 120 week one. This dude is just a rock-solid wide receiver, too, that you have to start every week at this point. Even going up against Tredavious White, we just saw Devontae Parker burn Tredavious White for seven for 135. I mean, he's quarterback-proof at this point because Brandon Allen has not been playing well, but geez louise, Corlin Sutton is a monster. And he- Listen, Bron- Broncos are ready to fight. They're rough horses, apparently. They got their name from the Spanish term, which means rough or something like that. I mean, I'm sure buffaloes are also very rough and more powerful. You'd really put money on That's a Bronco? True. I'd bet on yeah, the... Yeah, I'm, I'm a little shin to the head. I'll take it. Mm. Yeah. Are you trusting anyone else besides Sutton? I mean, Tim Patrick did put up over 80 yards, but... Yeah, half of that was from half of that was a Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton. Yeah, which was I mean that was a dime, but you can't expect that to happen every week. Deshaun Hamilton is basically not a part of the offense anymore. This is someone I really want to ask you about. Because you just you you just don't want to give him a shot, even though he's becoming such a big part of the offense. Nope. No offense. Nope. No offense. I'm not giving him a shot. No offense. He saw eleven targets last week, dude. 11, right. 1, 1. Four for an 60. Four for Gladwell. 60. Read it. You, you've never even read it. No, I haven't. Yeah, so fuck <laughs> off. Four for 60 last week on 11 targets. Obviously, you'd like that to be more valuable. But if he caught that touchdown at the end of the game, they would have got him to but win. That's the thing. That play was Noah Fant in a nutshell. Right now, I nothing personal. I don't know him personally, but right now he is just a stupid NFL player. <laughs> that play was just stupid. He looked like he didn't know what he was doing. He couldn't turn around to get to the ball quick enough. That was just an inexperienced player who's not ready yet to make big plays. And why they're drawing up a play for their t- 
rookie tight end who hasn't really made too many plays when they have Corlin Sutton on the outside, besides the point, beats me. I'm not starting no offense. I'm sorry. He has one game with 11 targets, and now the world's going to end, and he's going to be the best player ever. No. No, because his stock. They're also playing Buffalo, dude. Rising. Buffalo is a great defense. It's true. They're one of the best against the tight end, which is why, I mean, you can't say he's not at least interesting, though. I wish his schedule was more tight end friendly down the stretch, but with the way the tight end landscape is, I mean, I have Jacob Hollister a- and Dallas Goddard as six and seven. That's how bad the tight end landscape is right now. You want to make a bet that Buffalo D's outscores Fant? No, Buffalo D's against Denver with Brandon Allen could probably put up a decent amount of points. Not bummer. I don't want to make that bet. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, that's it with Noah Fant, right? To the running backs, Phillip Lindsay leading the pack, doing Phillip Lindsay things last week, going up against Buffalo. The way you beat Buffalo... 16, road trip. 16 for 67 last week against Minnesota. Two receptions, eight yards. Nine half PPR points. So he was solid. The way you beat Buffalo is on the ground. So I've been down on Philip Lindsay the past few weeks with Brandon Allen at the helm because I felt like it was going to hurt the running game overall to not have that real like QB. At least Joe Flacco was like a competent quarterback. Brandon it's definitely Allen's hurt. It's yeah. definitely hurt Royce Freeman. Definitely Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman has been pretty atrocious since Brandon Allen took over. But dude, the way you beat Buffalo is on the ground. They're flying into Buffalo. I feel like they might just try to hand the ball off to Lindsey and Freeman like 30 times or more and try to beat Buffalo on the ground. So I kind of like Philip Lindsey Probably this week. the way to do it cuz the Broncos really haven't been awful. They're 4 and 7 I think. And four of their losses have come where they're leading in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's rough. They could literally be a playoff team right now, which is absurd. Their defense isn't that bad, and but they just know how to control the clock, apparently, with their two-headed monster running backs. Uh, I like Lindsey as well. They'll, they'll be smart to feed him in this game. Yeah, because the only way they've been able to beat Buffalo this week is this year is on the ground. Uh, Royce Freeman, 2-5 and five the last couple weeks. I don't really think, unless something changes in that offense... Like, Philip Lindsay has, like, they were more 1A, 1A in the beginning of the year. It's kind of reverted back more to the 1A, 1B of Lindsay really being, like, the leader of that backfield. So, I, I don't see Freeman as more than, like, a flex play. Uh, moving on to Buffalo. Look, Josh Allen has been great. But it's been against bad competition. Right? Like, he played last week against Miami, put up 34 Against Cleveland, but up 25. Miami, Philly, and Washington, 21-17-18. Like, he has had a very friendly schedule, fantasy-wise. It gets a lot tougher down the stretch. Denver, Dallas, Baltimore, Pitt, New England. He gets Denver this week, who has been one of the best against opposing QBs ever since their terrible first two games to start the season. They've basically been shut down against opposing quarterbacks. He uses his legs, which is nice. He hasn't used his legs as much as you kind of hope, in my opinion. He went 7 for 56 on the ground last week, which was by far his most rushing work. The couple weeks prior, 28, and the week prior to that, only 12 rushing yards. I feel like you're you're going to need more groundwork from Josh Allen for him to be um, a QB1 this week. 
Mr. Allen has become one of the most consistent fantasy performers in the NFL, which is funny because people are drafting him for his high ceiling. He met it last week. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that he ran more. Seven rushes for 56 yards. It's not even that he ran more often. He was just more efficient with his rushes. He's going to have to be able to do that against Denver. But he's been uh, consistent this season. He's been finding the end zone. He, he hasn't had less than two touchdowns in a game since week four against New England. So he has to be a back in QB1, even in a tougher matchup against Denver. To the rushing attack, Devin Singletary kind of disappointed last week, but he saw over 80% of the snaps and basically continued his emergence over that backfield. 15 for 75 on the ground. One reception, four yards. Really didn't have to have that big of an impact on the ground. Uh, so, I mean, excuse me, through the air. So, he had at least three receptions in, three the, in the three weeks prior to that. So, I do expect to him get at least a couple of receptions this week against Denver. I have him right there in the middle of my RB2 rankings. I feel like even though it's against Denver, whose defense is really solidified up the middle against the run, Singletary will uh, find some... Find some openings and through the air as well because they're going to need him. Denver is a much more difficult matchup than they've seen recently, so I feel like they're going to need to use their running game more and uh, not just go crazy through the air against Miami like they did because they really exploited that matchup. Plus, even if they did, he'll be involved. He's become an RB2 at this point because the two most recent games where he didn't have at least 15 rushes, he had seven targets and six targets, so he's involved no matter what. Uh, uh, and in offense, that's run first. Even with Frank Gore around, steal, stealing carries in his walker, uh, Singletary's a good play. Yeah, uh, John Brown week was in full effect last week, finally. This guy just puts up yards every single week but couldn't find the damn end zone, scored two touchdowns the entire season, and then put up two 9-137 on the dome of the Miami Dolphins. Absolutely murdered them. Like, it wasn't even fair. He was just doing whatever he wanted against them. So, John Brown owners are on a high right now. I feel like the low is going to hit him a little bit this week against Denver because Chris Harris Jr. has been one of the best slot corners, corners in the game for years, has become a shadow corner for the first time ever this year, has not been quite as dominant, but he's still been solid. And Denver overall is top five against wide receivers as a defense. So I still like John Brown as a wide receiver too because of the floor he set himself. I just don't see the huge upside this week. It's funny how that works because it's arguably, I'd say, tougher to play cornerback out of the slot. Uh, you don't got the sideline to help you out. And once he started moving around a little bit, he became a little bit more beatable. Although he's still a great cornerback. Yeah, but uh, you, the thing instead with, of guarding like Cole Beasley, you guard like Julio Jones and Stefan. That's Diggs it too. Him. Yeah, but the thing with John Brown is that he has not scored below eight and a half PPR points all season. So he is a solid as a rock wide receiver too. Even in a week where he has a pretty tough matchup, he'll still be involved. He even put up nine fantasy points against New England. So he's yeah. been pretty matchup proof. Yeah. Um. With that being said, Cole Beasley. And James and James White both had the same uh, downgrade last week. You know, Cole Beasley has become the James White of running backs, and James White scored two or three less than he was supposed to, and as did Cole Beasley, only four for 38 against Miami. 
going into Denver. He's just just the the mediocre flex play per use, right? Sorry, did you hear me snoring? I heard you snoring. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. I, I I thought you were talking about Cole Beasley, so yeah, I just had to. I, I just was. had to fall asleep. Last week I proclaimed it was Dawson Knox week. Dawson Knox went two for thirty-two and a touchdown. Got you a solid nine point two half PPR fantasy points this week against Denver. I'm not loving it as much. So no, but he's still a name to keep in mind just because he's been decently eight and involved ten in the last two weeks and half PPR scoring. Which... Yeah, and the eight was without a touchdown, so he's been decently involved. Of course, there's a downside, but isn't there a downside with all the tight ends? True that. Uh, the final game on this episode: Seahawks and Eagles. This should be a solid be a game. One. Yeah. Uh, let's see if the Eagles could bounce back because they've been they've just been pretty awful, honestly. Recently, that they need some wide receivers. Nelson Aguilar just can't catch. That was a dime Dude, by Carson Wentz. I know. A and dime. if you look, it's like it's not even that the catch was that hard. Aguilar took an awful route to the ball. He should have caught the ball. He kind of fell for no reason. He overran it, like slow down a little bit because of the route he took. Literally awful all around. And then it bounced off his hands. Yeah. It was rough. Yikes. Uh, but let's start on the Seattle side. Russell Wilson. Dude, honestly, coming off a of bye week. I'm all over Russell Wilson and this entire offense. Why not? Yeah, I have Russell Wilson as my QB, too. Uh, Chris Carson, I have ranked higher than expert consensus rankings because, yes, it's a difficult matchup against Philadelphia. They've been very good against the run, but Chris Carson gets 20 carries a game. So he could just, all he needs is to break one out, and if he gets 22 carries, he'll he'll reach 90 yards, like almost guaranteed. And all he has to do is find the end zone to be that RB1. He, look, he put up over 100 on Tampa Bay, put up uh, almost 90 on San Francisco. If if there's any running back that's matchup proof and you know what you're going to get, it's Chris Carson. And he's going to put up 12 points. And if he finds the end zone, he's going to put up 18. If he finds it again, he's going to give you 24. <laughs> yeah, uh, his expert consensus rankings at 11. I think that's a little crazy. I have him at 5. Rashad Penny. Tyler Lockett He's expected to play The leg issue that Made everyone go nuts for a little bit Apparently was Man, just I'm not I'm not throwing any shade here But I'm throwing shade <laughs> Dude People gotta stick to Dr. Chow Right? That's Pro football the, doc The pro football doc Cause there are people trying to be him Who just stay stupid as shit like trying to get retweets and shit. One person said that Tyler Lockett's career is going to be over and he's going to need surgery right away and there's a blood clot in his leg and it's going to be amputated. Some crazy shit. And someone tweeted it at us, like, what do you think about this? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but it seems absurd. Uh, <laughs> honestly. And then he was tweeting some... The same dude was tweeting some shit about how Tua's career was going to be over and then the next day, like, oh, Tua's going to be fine. He's yeah. going to have to need a surgery. It's not like Bo Jackson. It's like, dude, I just wanted to air it out that people need to just let Dr. Chow do his thing. And uh, these fake doctors or whatever they're doing, they need, to stop trying to, they need to stop trying to make headlines because it's, it's yeah. disrespectful to the players, in my opinion. Telling people that they're going to need a fucking leg amputation? <laughs> Come on. But yeah, it's, it's a little nuts. But how are you feeling about Tyler Lockett this week? 
against Philly. There's there's never anything not to like about Tyler Lockett. And then when you're getting a matchup like Philly, the ninth true target value wide receiver is going to feast. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. Ivan's wide receiver six. But guess what? We have a DK Metcalf sighting, ladies and gents. I was not super high on him last week. Excuse me, two weeks prior against San Fran. He was decent, put up eight half PPR fantasy points, but he tends to really only have those big games against bad defenses. And Philly, although they've been better of late, is still a bad passing defense. I have DK Metcalf as a rock-solid wide receiver three. Even some wide receiver two appeal, depending on your options. Do you agree uh, with DK Metcalf with true value king Russell Wilson throwing him the ball? Yeah, look, uh, Kalen Zacharias was a wide receiver two for a little while. Josh Gordon came in. That doesn't mean that he's going to be taken away from the offense. Which means maybe he'll drop down to wide receiver three. I would, but you really just called game, him the Kalen Zacharias? I did. His first game, he put ahead 10 targets with San Francisco with Josh Gordon around. This is a great matchup. Uh, as you said, true throw value king, Russell Westbrook. DK Metcalf himself <laughs> Russell is... Wilson. You said Russell no, Westbrook. Russell Wilson is the king. You said Russell Westbrook. Oh, Westbrook. Another he's guy. He's a triple-double so king. Severely underrated in his own right. Um, Josh um, Gordon. For some reason, DK Metcalf 18th in true target value, so he's he's chilling. He'll do good. If you if you're talking about risk, you'd be one risky motherfucker if you started Josh Gordon this week. Indeed. Any chance you take that shot? I mean, I have him as uh, outside the top 50 receivers. I just I can't trust him at this point. Like I have him in a lineup right now. Jeez, that team it's, must it's be not bad. My, that must my be one of your bad team. <laughs> it's not my best team. Uh, Jacob Hollister. Is that Will Disley? No, it's Jacob Hollister doing the exact same things. Um, da, 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 da. Look, Jacob Hollister. It's simple as this. Russell Wilson throws over 30% of his touchdowns to tight ends. He's a true throw. He's the true throw value king. Jacob Hollister has seen 16 targets in his two starts, combined for nearly 100 yards and three touchdowns in those starts. So at this point, you got to start him, right? I agree, yes. Like, of course. Yeah. It's simple as that, especially the tight end position. Maybe you're a George Kittle owner and you picked up Jacob Hollister and you have a pretty solid uh tight end on your hands for this week because he has not disappointed yet as the starter and they're coming off a bye. Moving on to the other anyone else you want to talk to on Seattle about on Seattle? No. Nah. So moving over to Philly. Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz. He's just kind of out of the fantasy football loop at this point, right? Like, how could you possibly play him and be happy about it? The last four weeks, 8, 14, 15, and 12. And Good guy to stash, man. Huh? Good guy to stash. Yeah, Miami, the Giants, and Washington, weeks 13 to 15 is glorious. So he is a good guy to stash. But you really trust him starting him this week against um, Seattle? There's, there's worse options. I think that there's going to be some points to be had against Seattle, and Seattle's defense has not been their strong suit. And some people got tough matchups, man. Uh, Tom Brady against Dallas. If you're looking at the range, Derek Carr is someone I'm never going to start. Garoppolo's playing Green Bay. I, I don't think Carson Wentz is an automatic sit. I'll probably have him around the 12 range. There should be some points to be scored in Seattle, and his struggles have come against good defenses recently. Dallas, Buffalo, Chicago, and New England have been defenses good against the pass. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Jordan Howard, um, 
I'm guessing he'll be back, right? Like, he was a pretty shocking inactive uh, late last week. I don't know. Let's tweet at that sports doctor. Yeah, maybe. Um, but Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders did not do great last week as the main running back. Uh, he didn't get much rushing work, but he was not Jordan Howard-esque. How are you feeling about Jordan Howard this week against New England if he comes back? I think he just steps right back into that RB low end, mid to low end RB2 value. Uh, I agree. I mean, he's seen enough work to put him there, and Miles Sanders did not do anything to steal the show last week, although it was a tough matchup against New England, so we got to give him that, and he's a rookie. But I mean, New but England I don't think... has been most susceptible to the run, which is why I kind of like Jordan Howard this week. Yes, but most susceptible to New England is still not, not very a... susceptible. Yes. <laughs> But Miles Sanders, for some reason, don't ask me why, his expert consensus rankings are RB21. Um, I'm guessing there's a lot of people who are just assuming Jordan Howard's going to be out. I'm guessing that will decrease. I don't think he's more than a flex play at this point. I mean, he really hasn't proven anything at all the entire season to say otherwise. So, If Howard's out, that changes. Yeah, then he'll keep become an RB2. But, yeah, just keep an eye on the rankings. It's It's Wednesday, folks, so... Things will change. We update it. It updates automatically. Change gone come. It updates, change gone come. Jeez, Louise. It updates automatically on the site, so just keep an eye on that. And uh, to the wide receivers, at this point, I don't know how you could feel comfortable even considering starting any of the receivers. Even if Alshon Jeffrey comes back this week, like, this dude hasn't scored. He's basically Allen Robinson of last year. Like, Allen Robinson has had a couple boom games this year. He's Allen Robinson of last year and that he he'll he won't score more than like mid range wide receiver three numbers ever. Look, Nelson Aguilar sucks, but I'm still putting him in the flex range, man. He's forty third oh, yeah. in true target value. He saw nine and eight targets the last two weeks. Eight and nine flipped that against tough defenses, and that's why it hasn't panned out too much. I don't know, man, but See, he's been so bad. Oh, he's awful. But if he sees the work, it's it's there. The two best options, of course, though. Are Ertz and Goddard the two tight ends? What? Let me let me speak. Are you building? Are you finally joining the Dallas Goddard train? Uh, I'll put one foot on. Oh snap! Simply because look, Deshaun oh out. snap! Alshon Jeffrey's out. They don't got anyone, and Dallas Goddard's become a a staple in that offense. Five or more targets uh, since week five. Uh, except for week seven, at least seven fantasy points in that span every week. It's, I mean, it's not the prettiest thing to start a backup tight end, but when he's the second best weapon on the team, then then you could start him. Yeah, I agree. Which is why I have him at tight end seven and Zach Ertz at tight end two because the resurgence of Zach Ertz has been glorious for Zach Ertz owners because he was really disappointing in the beginning of the year and then. 9 for 103 and 9 for 94 the last two weeks. Both weeks, 9 receptions on 11 targets. It's been great for uh, Zach Ertz owners. I would like to reiterate, though, I'm not I'm not changing my tone. I still prefer not to start a backup tight end. And he has but been touched down. It's not a dependent. backup tight end. Like, he's well, that's basically why, a starting that's why I'm two tight ends. That's start him at this point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Dal- uh, I agree. Dallas Goddard I have as my tight end 7, so... They're basically the wide receiver one and two on that team. Anyone else you want to talk about on the Eagles? I'm good, player. Um, in that case, 
that's the end of uh, episode one. Show. Episode two is coming uh, right after this. It's either going to start right when this ends or, you know, you could uh, listen to it another time, but uh, just listen to it, right? I'll see you then or I'll see you another time. We'll have the Thrive Five at the end of that episode, just me and Jason this time. Because guess what? Timmy's not going to show up because we record right after and Tim's still sick. Feel better, Tim. But yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy if you want to support the show. Thank you all very much. Later. Later.